You're listening to the Boss Yourself First podcast, season two, episode five. If you want to be an effective leader, the first person you want to lead effectively is yourself. Self-leadership helps you create better relationships and a more fulfilling life, and in turn, lead others in a more authentic and impactful way. If this piques your interest, then stick around. I'm Robin White, your host, and this is Boss Yourself First. Hey friends, I hope you are having a fantastic week. And I hope you took the challenge from our last episode and created your can-if questions. This week, we're focusing on creating abundance to leverage our constraint. You remember how we've been developing our question thinking, and now we're turning our attention to abundance mentality. Abundance mentality enables us to approach our can-if statements with openness and creativity. Processing constraints in the victim stage means giving away to feelings and thoughts of scarcity. So when we're in the victim stage, we know that we're in a place of scarcity mentality. And to transform, to move into that transformer stage, we want to develop abundance mentality. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says, Most people are deeply scripted in what I call scarcity mentality. They see life as having only so much, as though there were only one pie out there. And if someone were to get a big piece of that pie, it would mean less for everyone else. The scarcity mentality is a zero-sum paradigm of life. People with a scarcity mentality have a very difficult time sharing recognition and credit power or profit. Even with those who help in production, they also have a very hard time being genuinely happy for the success of other people. And then Covey contrasts that, because he'd been talking about the scarcity mentality, he contrasts it with an abundance mentality. And he says, the abundance mentality, on the other hand, flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth and security. It is the paradigm that there is plenty out there and enough to spare for everybody. It results in sharing of prestige, of recognition, of profits, of decision-making. It opens possibilities, options, and alternatives to creativity. I love this quote. I love the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And when I was reading that, to you guys, I was thinking about a story I read the other day about a teacher in Michigan. I love teachers, so many props to teachers, especially through this pandemic. But this was a teacher in Michigan who was reflecting on a time when Michigan adopted a really high stakes teacher evaluation program. And she said that when that kicked in, all of a sudden, she felt like she had to protect her turf. She stopped sharing ideas with other teachers. She wanted to keep the best ideas for herself. And she also became really unhappy with work. She loved teaching and she always got a lot of energy when she taught. But all of a sudden, it was just draining her. It was exhausting. And she recognized that she had slipped into a scarcity mentality. So she flipped it back to abundance mentality. She started sharing her ideas and celebrating the success of other teachers. 
teaching became a joy again. And I'm sharing that with you because as we try out our can-if questions, the ones we explored last in our last episode, an abundance mindset enables us to tap into creative and innovative solutions. It brings energy to the table. So let's pause for just a minute in our leveraging constraint efforts and talk about how self-leaders improve their abundance mentality. First, remember, awareness is the beginning of all work. So let's notice when we slip into scarcity thinking. And remember, scarcity believes that if one person wins, another one loses. And I realize that that is, that is what happens in like a, a sports competition. But it's not helpful in other avenues of life. I really want to camp here because it feels like scarcity thinking is running rampant in our culture right now, at least here in the U.S. We only have to look as far as our political leaders to find a powerful example. People on one side of the political aisle feel that if the other side gains or gets anything going in their agenda, then the first side loses. And I get it. Our leaders are constantly barraged with scarcity messages about not having enough money to make every good idea happen. But it feels like if the mindset shifted to we are more and we have more when we work together, we could actually move forward and create a stronger, united country and contribute to a better planet. Scarcity thinking is self-destructive thinking. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox and back to the next steps. So notice when you are participating in scarcity thinking. Remember, awareness is the beginning of all work. So notice it. And I say participating because it is contagious. Sometimes we catch it from the people we're around and sometimes we're the ones spreading it. Okay, do you remember the start of the pandemic and the toilet paper shortage? I remember when we first started hearing things out of China and seeing images where people were clutching these rolls of toilet paper like they were life preservers, and I couldn't understand it. And then it came here, and we created that with scarcity thinking. And I am not judging because I felt that way too, and I'm going to make a little confession here, and I'm a little uncomfortable about it, to be honest, but there was a time when things were beginning, and I was in the grocery store, and I have to admit, I felt a little smug because I had two four-packs of toilet paper in my basket for my four-person household, and I was pretty happy, especially as the guy behind me ranted because the store had sold out. I had the temptation to think, well, you should have gotten here earlier. It wasn't very nice, honestly. And I wanted to tell this to you because, for one, I don't want you to think that because I talk about it, that I've mastered it. We all slip into it from time to time. But for some of us, it can become a habit if we do it enough. A habit that's not serving us. And I've learned from my selfish actions with the toilet paper how I wish I had just turned around and handed that guy one of my packages. I really do. And I worked hard taking that lesson forward and sharing our resources as the pandemic wore on. But it started with awareness in the grocery store. So notice these times, and then we can start to shift them. All right, so I wanted to, as we're focusing on this, give you some tools uh, that you can use to develop abundance mentality. And the first one is practice generosity. 
Generosity proves the belief that we have plenty. Generosity of time and of love and of money. Attention. John Maxwell, who's a leadership expert, says, Give more of what you want. Although it may sound counterintuitive, one of the best ways to increase your abundance is to give. Don't feel like you have enough time? Slip away from your obligations, even if just for an hour, to help someone in need. Don't feel like you have enough money? Give to someone less fortunate. In other words, and I love this part, in other words, he says, be a river, not a reservoir. Giving is sure to put you in a more abundant and appreciative frame of mind. I love that. Be a river and not a reservoir. Okay, here's another tool. Practice genuine celebration of others' successes. Remember that teacher? Remember when she wanted to flip back to abundant mentality? She started celebrating other teachers' success. By celebrating others, we prove out the belief that someone else's gain just adds to the good energy of life. And we all benefit from that. When someone else succeeds, it doesn't diminish your success. Okay, here's another one. Express appreciation frequently and lavishly. Verbally let others know that you've noticed their contributions. They contribute to your life and your work as well, and they're part of the abundance. Let them know that. And lastly, take time to reflect and be grateful. It's really hard to feel scarcity when you're expressing thanks for what you have. All right, now that we've got some tools to increase our abundance mentality, let's funnel that thinking towards leveraging constraint. Usually when facing a constraint, there's an element of scarcity, a lack of time, money, skill, knowledge, which we can combat by recognizing abundance. Abundance in specific ways. And I'm going to outline the the areas here, but if you're multitasking, I'm going to support you in this. You can go to the website, bossyourselffirst.com, look at the episode page for this episode, and find the resource section. And right there, I'm going to have an infographic for you with these four areas Uh, highlighted so that you can just kind of work through that. All right, so here are the four areas where we want to recognize abundance. First, what we have. Really looking at our assets from multiple perspectives. Sometimes when we've had something for a long time, we forget. We get a sort of functional fixedness. It has to be used in this way, but a lot of times we have things that could be used differently. So we want to really recognize the abundance of opportunity in what we already have. Another area where we want to recognize abundance is what we need. And I know that doesn't sound, focusing on what we need doesn't sound like abundance, but when we get really clear on what we need to help us leverage a constraint, we will begin to see it and where it's available to get that need met. Another place where we need to recognize abundance is what we have that others need, right? We may have some things in abundance that other people are lacking. So here's where I want you to think about things like experience or workforce, audience, money, time, technology, skills, all of those things that we may have in abundance that other people need. And it might not be all of them, but it might just be one area where you are overflowing. You have a huge following. 
And that could be really helpful to someone else to tap into your audience. Okay, here's the last area we want to recognize abundance in, what others have that we need. And again, we're looking at those same areas. What other people's experience could we draw from? Workforce, knowledge, money, time, technology, and skills. How can we trade what we have that others want in a way that provides us both with what we need to leverage constraint? When we start asking this question, we open up to literally a whole world of possibilities. What relationships can we foster that can create abundance for both parties? What could we do together that we can't do apart? Or it could create greater impact than if we tried to do it alone. How can we combine our resources to create abundance? Barden and Morgan, the authors of our book for this season called A Beautiful Constraint, they put it this way. Finding new ways to articulate the power of what we have gives us many potential ways to approach new kinds of partners with new kinds of value. Can you feel it? The possibilities that are coming to mind as we go through this. What kind of partners, maybe even competitors or resource owners are out there waiting to join with you? All right, well, depending on what you're doing right now, you can just pause the podcast and go list all the ideas that are coming to mind. You have my blessing. But if you'd like to hang on for just a few more minutes, I want to share another story from A Beautiful Constraint. And there are so many wonderful examples in this book. I'm barely scratching the surface. I would really encourage you to read it. But this story, the author's called How to Feed a Blue Chicken. (laughs) And I really love it because it shows the process of leveraging constraint and how dealing with one constraint often reveals another constraint and another constraint. (laughs) But when you have your system of leveraging constraint combined with an abundance mentality, you will get where you want to go. Okay, so this story is about raising chickens in Kenya. Apparently, there are two major worries when trying to raise young chicks in that environment, and one is disease, and one is predators, flying predators, to be exact. A man named Paul Seward, who directs Farm Input Promotions Africa, has devoted his work to increase the productivity of smallholder farms in Africa. So he went to work trying to overcome the constraint of raising these vulnerable chicks. Remember, there's two things that, they're, that he's got to fight through, disease and flying predators. The disease can be dealt with by vaccination, but because of the high likelihood that the chicks would be eaten by flying predators, most farmers did not want to invest in vaccinating their chicks. I would really love to know how Seward figured this next thing out. I might have to do a little research just because I'm curious, but he discovered that if the chicks were painted blue, the flying hawks and eagles didn't recognize them and therefore did not eat them. So he found an inexpensive and safe paint for the chicks, and then the farmers began inoculating their chicks because they had a better chance of surviving the predators. It was worth the investment. In fact... With the paint and the shots, the survival rate went from 20% to almost 85%. Great return on investment. So, super. Now that the survival rate is up, more farmers are seeing that chicken farming is profitable. 
Additionally, <laughs> side bonus, chicken painting jobs were created for the broader economy. So it prospered everyone, not even just the farmers. But because of the rise in chicken farming, there were more demands on the terrain for feeding these growing flocks. Because these chickens were free-range scavengers, so they didn't support them with chicken feed. They let them uh, just eat around on their property. So most of the small family farms in Kenya are very small. And just as they sound, some so small that they were like a third of an acre. The farmers couldn't afford chicken feed. A new constraint was revealed. A lack of money, actually two of them, because there was a lack of money and a scarcity of rangeland. Additionally, even if the farmers had more land, it wasn't safe for the chickens to roam too far from the house because of another predator, the mongoose. And they apparently are not fooled by the blue paint. They didn't care. Maybe they're colorblind. I don't know. But in trying to leverage the new constraints, Seward realized that since the birds eat insects, there were actually an abundance of insects available. They were called termites. However, the chickens couldn't get to them. They were inaccessible for the chickens, and the farmers didn't know how to catch them. When figuring out how to tap into this abundance, Seward looked to the people group who actually eat termites as a mainstay of their diets. And they shared their knowledge of how to harvest the termites, and now the chicken farmers can provide for their chickens. I love the story. What fun it was to watch Seward leverage the constraints to promote small family farms in Africa. It may feel a little less fun and a lot more daunting when we're facing our own constraints, but please be inspired. You can do it when you recognize the abundance of resources available to you. So my challenge for you this week is to work on abundance mentality and work through the questions to help you identify some new resources or even current resources in a new way. If you want some help with that process, remember I've got that infographic for you so that you can kind of have that list as you work through those questions. Take the challenge. I'm excited to hear about your journey to abundance mentality. Also, it would really help out if you could take a minute and leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd really appreciate it and it helps more people find us. In the meantime, lead yourselves in abundance and take care. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found something to grab hold of and apply in your life. As always, any link or information mentioned in this episode can be found at bossyourselffirst.com in the podcast section. And if we haven't connected yet, and I would love to, DM me on Instagram at Boss Yourself First or come to the Boss Yourself First Facebook page and let me know how you're doing and what you think. I would really love to meet you. Thanks for being here and being you. Now get out there and lead with courage and kindness and boss yourself first and add your amazingness to the world. We sure need it. Talk to you soon, my friends.